Rob, we were looking over the budget of this Halloween 2, and look, the last one made some money, but I still got to tighten the purse strings a little bit here, bud. I mean, you've wasted a lot of money, like $50,000 on excess film for close-up shots of every character? You spent another $75,000 on these ridiculous location shots? What do we need a long hallway for in this random location that cost us a fortune? Well, you know, I, I I was looking at the idea for this film and I just thought, you know, we need a wide hallway at the end so that I could fit a fucking horse in it. A horse. A white stallion in the hallway. What do you need a horse for? What do you, what do you need a Clydesdale for? That cost us $100,000 to get... A Budweiser Clydesdale and paint it white. What did, what did you need that for, Rob? Well, actually, the, the horse was secondary to what I actually wanted for that, which was Cherry Moon Zombie as sort of an angel figure, uh, draped in white, shadowed by spotlights. We need her in this. She's, she's, she's the, my inspiration, my muse. She's got to be in this. Rob, what does this have to do with Halloween? I know the other films in the franchise have gone off the beaten path, but what are you talking about? And your wife can't act. What does anything in Halloween 2 have to do with Halloween? I think this has gone off the rails. I, th- I think we, I'm going to have to get the producer now. <laughs> Excuse me. Chrome Podcast presents Halloween 2, the Rob Zombie Fuck-Up Production. Hey guys, welcome back to the Blood and Black Rum Podcast. I'm Ryan from ColdSplotation.com and I'm joined by my co-host Martin. How's it going? And uh, we're back today uh, celebrating the uh, my favorite season a little bit early. Uh, we're four months away now from October. And so we thought it was the perfect time to do this uh, episode for Halloween 2. Not the good one, but Rob Zombie's shitty version. Uh, we thought it was the perfect time. And why was it the perfect time? I have no idea. It does, it's not it's even... Because of the trailer. Not Yeah, I guess so. Not even... doesn't even occur, like, within, like, the six-month period between. Like, that would be May. No, we... We, we just decided that uh, four months later, we'll do it. But... It's because uh, of the trailer. Yeah, it is because of the Halloween trailer. We talked about that a little bit in the last episode when we did uh, and because, Solo. Yeah. No Mall. No, mall rats is when we talked about it. And uh, so we just decided since we need to brush up on the Halloweens that we haven't seen before we've seen, before we see the new remake. Oh, let's do one. This is, and this is it. Yeah. (laughs) And we've held out on it for quite a long time, actually, because Halloween 2 released in 2009. Um, We did see the original Halloween and then we did the, we did that uh, Rob Zombie remake for Remake Ween. Yeah. Um, So we thought. Might as well get Halloween 2 out of the way, finally see it, and, uh, you know. Bite the bullet. <laughs> give our thoughts on it. I know I wasn't looking forward to it. Martin, I don't think you were either, right? No. Because you had been a, uh, a big opposer of seeing this film in general anyway. Yeah, I had a, a boycott on it. I had, when um, After seeing Rob Zombie's uh, remake in theaters back in 2007, I was appalled and absolutely hated the film. Um, to the point where I, if I wasn't so cheap, I would have walked out on it. 
And when they announced Halloween 2, I said, absolutely not. I have no interest. No, thank you. I don't care. No, never. No. And never is only 10 years, so. Yeah. Well, I mean, I guess I'm never, like, a person who will say no to seeing a movie. I, I watch it. Like, I watch most movies. I've seen a lot of really bad ones. So I, would, I wouldn't categorize, like, even the original Halloween remake as, like, one of the worst movies I've seen. I've seen a lot worse. Um, but I, with that said, I think it has an egregious level of being like a bad movie because. Well, it, there's a difference between it being like, te- like terribly, like a terribly made film. Cause it's like the budget and just incompetence. And then there's t- terrible because Rob Zombie's Halloween and like most of his other films, except maybe one of his, I would only say maybe one of his films competent. And that's the devil's rejects. Yep. Um, the only really, and it's not even that good. Yeah. Um, because I even the House of a Thousand Corpses I thought was crap. So you like you like the Devil's Rejects more than House of a Thousand Corpses? Yeah. It's normally the opposite. I think it's normally. I think for me, it's House of a Thousand Corpses more than Devil's Rejects. But to each I, their I, own. I guess been, they're pretty I mean, interchangeable. I mean, but I mean, I haven't seen them in so long. Yeah. And yeah. I, I saw Devil's Rejects first. Um, so yeah, so maybe you just have a, well, I, like me praising it right now. I'm not saying it's a good film. I didn't care for it, but like out of all the films I could say, <clears throat> excuse me, that Rob Zombie's done that it's like, okay, that's the one that's kind of, yeah, you can, you'll put up with it. I can, it doesn't, it didn't re- aggravate me at as least much. In, in those films, the, uh, sort of Texas chainsaw massacre, uh, like homage is it, 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 it makes sense. It's, it's meant to be like that. Whereas you know, once you step out of that territory and you go to something like the Halloween remake, I'm not looking for another like Halloween set in Texas Chainsaw Massacre land. Slash, slash, you know? slash hills have eyes. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It's and it's like <clears throat> it's like that's the only thing that Rob Zombie really knows how to do is just like make a film that's let's sort of like Texas Chainsaw Massacre that comes from his hillbilly roots. Well, you know what happened is I imagine he saw Grindhouse and he's like, you know, it'd be great. If we took Halloween and made it grindhousey, yeah, basically, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah it's, it's like the only thing that he really knows how to do and and mimic, and but he doesn't do it well. Yeah, I mean, I think. Well, first of all, I think there's uh, limited returns on that investment too. You know, so you can get away with it once or twice, and you can say that House of a Thousand Corpses and The Devil's Rejects kind of gets away with it. And since they're set in the same, you know, it's, it's, it, they're like the same sort of like, uh, universe that you can do it twice. But then once you start doing it multiple times and you start pulling in movies that really shouldn't even feel like a grindhouse film, uh, that's when you start running into trouble and, and people stop, um, appreciating like your homage at that point, it's less an homage than like, you're just mimicking those films. It's your stylistic choice. Yeah. Um, I would say too, also it's wearing thin because it's 2009 now. Sure. Um, at this point we're kind of shifting away from the yeah. torture porn that yeah. was becoming prevalent in 2002. So like in 2003, 2004, whenever house of a thousand corpses came out, it's like, Oh yeah, this is you know, like hostile and, and saw and all, isn't this, this is all great and new and fun and gritty, you bloody, know. everything's goopy. And that was, that yeah. was the thing. Yeah. Like, that, that was big. But after like, you know, text chainsaw massacre and, you know, other remakes and, you know, now it's getting like, okay, can, you know? Yeah. Uh, I think that, like that was a problem with the original the Halloween remake 
that we talked about during that episode for Remake Ween, um, it was that not only is the film like overtly gory for no reason, but it's also suffers from a lot of the problems that some of the early 2000 films that you, when you look back at them, they had, and you didn't really notice them at the time, but you do now upon further introspection, like um, constant editing, constant shot editing, like throughout the whole thing where, where shots are just interchanged. Wham, bam, bam, wham, 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 wham. And you're not even really Const- sure what saying, perspective you're yeah. looking at anymore. Constant um, jump cuts. Yeah, that that was a huge issue with the with the Halloween remake. Unnecessary slow mo. Yep. Um, a pretty big issue in the the Halloween remake for sure. Um, and uh, what, what, what would you call? An, what would you say another one? Oh, um, Rob Zombie mistaking just profanity, lacing it throughout the dialogue for like grittiness or realism um because at a certain point like i'm i'm not prude i don't mind cuss words being thrown around um we do it very often do it often but there's a certain point when some when a character is going fucking this fucking that fuck 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 and then you're just like that first of all it loses its whatever uh strength that that word would have but it also just becomes completely annoying because if you remember the halloween remake was way too long in itself anyway so maybe if you cut out like a couple fucks you'd you'd save some time on the dialogue that's so unnecessarily wordy like in this film like the whole seeing the ambulance of the redneck talking about how you you know i saw that dead girl and her titties i just want to fuck them dead girl titties and hard eye like three minutes of that yeah that was really necessary good character development really (laughs) moved moved, sure yeah and that character becomes very important (laughs) throughout the film so yeah Yeah. so you know it's like yeah that's great that's great what did this do oh nothing yeah that's that was a big thing with the uh, the halloween remake there um and i was trying to like refrain from talking about Halloween two so much because I just knew that we were going to draw those parallels again to it as we get into the discussion about about this film because I don't think without going too much into this um, before you know getting into drinks and all that um, I don't think Rob Zombie really learned a lot from two thousand seven to two thousand nine in terms of first of all like uh, critical uh, reviewing. And what people said, like, didn't really work about the Halloween film because he pretty much doubled down on it. T- to me, it's um, he took the original one. It's like, how can I make it more art housey kind of? Sure, yeah, that's about it. Like, yeah. I'll add this uh, this symbolism. Yeah, and that's that's it. But it's gonna be the same film. <laughs> it's gonna be the same film as the first one. It's literally the same film. I'll, you know, we'll talk about it when we get into the thing. With like, there's the same beats and like, you know, yeah. Well, I just feel like like he didn't take any of the criticism of his of his first remake and implement that for Halloween two. There was really no stylistic changes, except maybe less of an emphasis on redneck hillbilly stuff because that that was a huge sh- like m- a lot of the first film was just look at this redneck shit. Look how bad this family is for Michael Myers. At least that we got rid of in the first film so we could kind of focus on something else in Halloween 2. But, but they added st- another stupid shtick, shtick yes, to it. Yes, they so. did. Yeah, we'll so, talk about that. Yeah. 
So I don't think he really learned a lot, and that was the that's the I don't think huge he d- thing. I don't think he did because he got it, it doesn't matter. Who cares if the critic? You know, for him, it's probably like, who cares if the critics don't like it. These assholes are you know who liked it the first one or you know which again hindsight being twenty twenty a lot of people probably you know won't proudly say it now. I I would doubt it. Yeah, I but think- there was a lot of people, and when. The re- the original remake came out in 2007 that liked the movie. Definitely. To my dismay. There was a lot of people. I remember, actually. You were one of them. I was. I was a, a, Because I remember asking you, like, did you see the Halloween? And you're like, yeah, I saw it. I'm like, it was fucking terrible, wasn't it? You thought it was okay. I, I thought it was. Yeah, that's what it was. I thought it was okay. I wasn't Doesn't like, deserve it. Yeah. I mean, Doesn't deserve it. I mean, I wasn't, like, uh, really critical of it. But I know a lot of people at that time were really like, you know, this was a good good remake. I like this movie a lot. Um, part of it was, again, the 2000s. Just, you know, that was sort of the thing at the time. And now, you know, I won't say that horror films have gotten more introspective and, uh, you know, um, complex or metaphorically symbolic. Not all of them have. Some of them have. Hereditary uh, recently released is one of those films that, as a horror film... Um, perhaps we'll, we'll, uh, push away some of its horror fans, but we'll attract some other people. Um, so I'm not saying that, you know, horror in itself has to be super complicated or, you know, even have well, a... Well, as I say, the big one wouldn't be, wouldn't that be Get Out now? Yeah, yeah, uh, you know. Yeah, but I'm not saying, like, uh, any, you know, I wasn't, I don't need Halloween as a remake to be political or you know, on the spectrum, very metaphorical or symbolic or anything like that. Um, but it's just that, you know, I just think that now we're a little bit over the torture porn aspect that Rob Zombie helped to, to bring into existence during the 2000s. So I just don't understand when directors and writers come up with these, do re- they do these remakes, like how they can miss the point so badly. Think of, think of all the, like, not just Halloween, but Texas Chainsaw, which we reviewed. Mm-hmm. You know, the remake of Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Mm-hmm. And the remake of Friday the 13th. Which, and the remake of Nightmare. Which we did. And, you know, and the re, you know I, but, like, the remake of The Hills Have Eyes. Like, yep. like, how, like, all these, like, remakes, like, how they totally took the original idea and, like, totally go yeah. and Most of the time it's miss, just diluted. And missed the point. Yeah. I, most of the time it's just diluted into... Uh, you know where are cool elements from those films? Uh, people taking their clothes off, having a lot of sex, drugs. Uh, yep, weed all over the place. People drinking a lot, and then murder. And those are like the the main elements where they say like this would be a good remake because we'll get a lot of you know teens and and uh, you know twenty somethings in who like to spend money on movie tickets to see this film. Like if you think about it too. Especially going back to the mid, you know, early to mid two thousands, where torture porn's a big thing. Why didn't you do like a remake of like, like a Cronenberg film? Mm-hmm. You know, so, like something back in the eighties that had like really graphic, you know, gore. So like, you know, take like scanners or something, and, and do do it new. You know. Yeah, I mean, uh, or you know, the, you remake the fly again. At you least, know? at least with like, yeah, with those, you could do body horror, and you'd have the. It would make sense for you to go a lot more violent with them, and try to like up the ante on the gore. 
because that's what t- those films were about is the change in your body and that grotesqueness of you know changing from one form to to another and that works for torture porn um maybe not so much for slashers cuz slashers uh really I don't know that they're meant to be super outrageously violent. It's more about the stalking aspect. And actually, a lot of people do call slashers stalker films because they are more about, like, they're less about literally the slashing. Although in the 80s, towards the end of that phase, they did become more and more violent as, like, Friday the 13th tried to keep up with the also, But it. they also got more and more ridiculous into, yep. into parody land because they're like, well, what do we do now? Oh, we'll have Jason... Slam this chick in a sleeping bag into a tree several times. Ah, you know. Is that really gory? Is that more cartoony like a Tom and Jerry? You right, know? right. And and so, you you know, I think more so, like, I don't know that the, the slashers really fit in as remakes into, like, the torture porn element. They try to cram it in there, but they probably, were pr- pr- as we've seen when we did all those remakes for re- Remake Ween, mostly unsuccessful. I don't, did we do a remake that we thought was fairly successful off the top i i can't think of one that we did i mean maybe we liked house on haunted hill you know as a as nostalgia but not so i mean it it, it's not a i wouldn't say a great movie no it's um i can't think of any off the top of my head that we did as as remakes from that era that really we liked because of that element of trying kind of dumbing down the ideas of the originals going back to the whole like ideas of films that should have remade um one of them that they should have done they did end up doing was the thing problem is the thing you know john carpenter's thing you're not gonna top so you know it's hard to hard to remake again i I, I was was gonna say like i was just saying visually because not like you know it's such a visually stunning film especially with its effects and the practical effects so when you get uh I was going to say, when you get to the remake, what are they going to do? Just more put CGI into it. And it's like, yeah. eh. I actually didn't see the remake. The new the new. I thing. haven't either. But I hear that it is sort of interesting because it's more of a prequel to the thing than it is a an out-and-out remake. So, interesting. It's I, both. I, it's one, it's yeah. one of those remake of sequels. And I, and I can't really comment because I haven't seen it. And I really should rectify that. Um, maybe we'll do it at some point. Uh, maybe we'll do Remake Ween Part 2. Because we there was there's so many we didn't get to cover. I will say the zombie genre did benefit though from Dawn of the Dead. I that which is like the one good part of yeah. the remake. I don't really like the remake of Dawn of the Dead. Um, I did like it when I first saw it. But I was 14 when I first saw it, so <laughs> True. I mean, you know, I but, did, I do like it. I think. I, I mean, think. I mean, I haven't seen it. In I, a while. Mean, I mean, it ha- but watching it several times after it doesn't hold a candle to the original. And I really do hate running zombies. True. I, I don't like running zombies, but I will say the updated gore that you know definitely that yeah helped zombie films. You know, Land of the Dead benefited from the you know better gore. Did it do that much for the film though? I don't know. I don't. I don't. I don't love Land of the Dead. I don't know. I don't either. I but, don't. But yes, you're right. It, but it, it would have been an even worse film if it didn't have as much gore as it did. Yeah, and then 28 days later and yeah. 28 weeks later. Those are a little different, though, because they're technically not zombies. So Close. It's a, yeah, it's... yeah, but I can I, – I think in that sense, like, you can say – you could say you no, don't no, but... like fast zombies, but they're, they're not zombies, so you can like them. 
You know what I mean? Even you can, though it's you can not, but, but, the, yeah. but the formula is it's a zombie film, yeah. though. All right, that's we, like we, that's like saying Resident Evil's. I, not I, yeah, that's true. Yeah, they basically are. I we've digressed a lot, so <laughs> we've got to get back on track here. Uh, we'll save the remake talk for another remake ween special because maybe we'll do that at some other time. Obviously, not. I don't think we're doing. We're not doing it this Halloween. We've already got ideas for this Halloween, so <laughs> shut the fuck up. We're not doing it. Um, all right, but if you have ideas, we'd like to hear them. That's true. That's true. Write to us at bloodandblackrumpodcast at gmail.com, on Facebook at facebook.com, so bloodandblackrumpodcast at Twitter, on <laughs> at bloodandblackrum. There's our promos for, for the middle of the, the episode. So, um, All right, so let's take a break real quick from talking about Halloween 2, and we'll talk about some of the, the alcohol that we got on the show today. It's pretty short um, today, but uh, we did have one new beer that we haven't featured on the show before. Um, it's Six Point Brewery's uh, Bengali IPA. Haven't had it on here before. I've never had it before, and I don't think I've ever really had a six-point beer before. I think maybe I've tried one once or twice at the uh, the beer fest that we go to in Saratoga. We already did that one. I know, but I'm saying. Oh yeah, that's true. Yeah, we did. <laughs> I forgot. Yeah, he's he, right now. He's holding a different beer, six-point citrus jammer. We did do that a <laughs> uh, couple episodes ago. That's right. I forgot. We do so many beers, I forget which ones we do. Um, so the Bengali IPA is uh, a. Um, 6.5% IPA from Six Point Brewery. Uh, pretty standard IPA. Um, the reason why it gets its name Bengali is because of the lacing, I guess, on the, like, when they poured it out. It's kind of got a, like, a Bengal-type color to it with uh, stripes. So um, that's, wh- that's where it got its name. It went through a lot of iterations of uh, recipes before they finally landed on the one that made it into the Bengali IPA. Uh, I thought it was pretty good. Um like I said, it's it's pretty standard. I don't know that there's much that differentiates it from many other IPAs. Maybe just a little bit of a, the hop character. It's it maybe a bit um, more. Uh, I I don't know. Like I, I would say like um, West Coasty. Yeah, West Coasty, and maybe a little bit heavier too. And that's part of part of it comes from that six point five percent. But um, yeah, I thought I thought it was it's pretty hearty, but also. I would say pretty tasty too. It's got a little bit of juice flavor to it. Um, I don't know. What do you think? Because you had it today. Um, I'm going to disagree with you. Um, I will. The one point I will agree with. It's a very middle of the road IPA. Mm-hmm. Nothing about it really stands out. Um, the one thing that really detracts from this, I agree with most of what you said about how it tastes, except the juiciness. I don't really think it's juicy. No. I, it's just tastes like a regular West Coast style IPA. Um, the one thing I will say is definitely hindering it is because we drank it out of, of a can. For me, it tasted very tinny, kind of like a Heineken tin hmm. keg taste. And I guess I didn't notice it when I had it, but and that's uh, very off-putting. Hmm. Interesting that you bring that up. I so don't know. I mean, maybe if you pour it out, or if you maybe had it, it was bottom, because it was super cold too. I did notice that it was really cold in the fridge. I don't. Maybe that had something to do with it. I don't know. Interesting. Interesting note. It was tinny to me, so I don't know if... I mean, I've had... We've had six point... Sure. Before. Sure. Like and that it. one's not tinny. No. Maybe, you know... And, and to, to be fair, too, I did buy this as a clearance item at Price Chopper because they were they had it on sale. Uh, they were trying to get rid of their stock. So maybe it's somewhat old, too. Could be. You know, it could it could be old, so... They had the expiration. Yeah, on the bottom. Yeah, so so also that could have been a factor in, in why the... Six point Bengali IPA was tinny, but uh, oh, I know they don't have an expiration date. It's just when it's canned on. So, 
But uh, yeah, I, I mean, I would get the six point IPA again. I think it's pretty, you know, it's it's a standard IPA brew, but there's nothing wrong with being a standard IPA. I'm always down for that. So, well, it better be a good price, Dad. That's true. I think that uh, <laughs> the six points tend in our area to go a little bit more expensive than some of the other beers um, around here, mostly be and and that's actually weird because I'm pretty sure six points from New York. Um. So it's kind of weird that uh, one of the relatively local Brooklyn. Yep. Yep. So that's it's. I mean, it's pretty relatively local for it to be much more expensive than one of our uh, other beers around here. But well, that Brooklyn rent's not cheap, so that's true. Uh, anything else that you've had that you want to talk about in terms of beer? Nope. I yeah, pretty much haven't experimented recently. Just been drinking Jenny Ruby Red Kolsch. I haven't been drinking a whole lot because I'm on a diet, so... And I'm working 50 hours a week, so I am drinking. I can't be (laughs) drinking fuckloads of uh, bread if I'm trying to lose weight or... Not lose weight, but get in shape. I don't want nobody who has... Because you can't see people on the podcast. They they don't need to think that I'm fat. I'm not fat, guys. (laughs) I'm trying to get down from 160 to 150, <laughs> but I'm four foot eight. So no, I'm just kidding. No. Um, now that they know how I, I'm not fat, but I'm also not skinny. Let's head into Halloween too. Because I mean, they just have to go to the web of the Facebook page and then click on Ryan, and true. then they could see. Then, you know, then they could see me, or you watch one of your video reviews for Coldsploitation. Yeah, but I do the angles can only see my head and neck so they they can't see the lower body so they don't know i'm fat well if you don't have a double chin you're probably not gonna true have true a, true you know gigantic gut true well you know uh who is sort of fat and really tall michael myers in halloween too uh he's everyone's so, favorite drunk uncle that's right so one thing as we go into the talking about halloween too uh, first thing I want to bring up about the film is the fact that Rob Zombie feels like it's simply the greatest thing to show Michael Myers in all his glory without his mask on. It's a really fucking annoying thing. And see his eyes. And, yeah. yeah, it's it, it, it annoys me not because I don't like how he portrays Michael Myers in this film, which I don't. <laughs> so let's just get that out there too. But um, it, it annoys me because that was always a really huge thing within the Halloween movies is that you really didn't get to see much of Michael's face. And when you did, it was a big moment. Um, there's only a few of those throughout the series. But in, in Rob Zombie's Halloween, he really doesn't give a shit and even shows Michael Myers' face like outright during some like uh, exterior day shots. And so there's really no mystery to the dude who's behind the Michael Myers mask. And I guess you could say that part of that stems from that we know Michael Myers from when he was a kid. Because we saw it in Halloween, the first movie. But I still don't like it. I don't like that we get to see him. And it doesn't help that the dude looks like a really fat, giant Jesus Christ. (laughs) I don't don't know... I mean, I guess the only reason why he went with something like this is because uh, it sort of resembles Rob Zombie or, like, the people he would might run around with. Some, if, he, uh, if he was, like, seven feet tall. Yeah, like, I mean, what? you know, it might resemble, like, dudes that he hung out with while he's in White Zombie. I, You know, maybe that's, maybe that's why he went with this character design, but I just don't like it. What about you? No, I don't. I think it's stupid. I think... I, I, 
think him walk like I said, I compare him to an extra in hair. Because he's just like this, like walking around. You might as well just have him walking around Haddonfield and like have like Tesla's cover of signs playing, like in the sand, <laughs> sand, long haired, freaky people. I do, that wouldn't be out of the norm for this, like a Rob Zombie movie, though, because he does tend to feature really weird uh, soundtracks for his movies. Like, but that'd be more normal, though. Yeah. For this film, Tesla would be pretty, you know, be a little too normal. Here sure. we gotta we gotta have hellbilly music and, yeah. you know, Rocky Horror Picture Show because that hasn't been done to death. Nobody likes Rocky Horror Picture Show. It's only been on Broadway for like forty years now. Ooh, so alt. Yeah, yeah. So that was the first thing many, I wanted to point. How many out. Black Flag references can we get in this film? Yeah, well, let's talk about that in a second. Um, yeah, that is the first thing I want to point out, though, is that Michael Myers in this film, I don't like the design whatsoever. It's even, and it is even worse than the first film. Because at least in the first film, you just see him kill poor Danny Trejo looking like a hobo. And then he gets this jump re- yeah. and, you know, and Ken Forey. And then he gets his jumpsuit and the mask. And then we're, you know, okay, he's fucking. Hulk Hogan, Michael Myers, if Hulk Hogan lost all his money and became homeless, you know. Here, it's like, well, we're going to take that, but for half the movie, he's just going to be walking around Haddonfield and, and the fields and yeah, contemplating life, like, hmm, you know. Yeah, I mean, he looks like an Assassin's Creed character. And why the Norman Bates thing? Style, like, mother tells yeah. you what to do. Very, I... Have to ask Rob Zombie that. What? Where did that come from? Why? I mean, I guess it was really Rob Zombie's creation because it's not like that's a thing in Halloween, in the original Halloween. No, John there's Carpenter's no. Halloween, there's no reference to his mom. I mean, he really doesn't care. The only thing we get about his mom is that end shot where she come, they come home mm-hmm, and then take the find sister, yeah. and then she starts screaming. I mean, that's really it. Um, I don't know where that came from. I don't know why that. Maybe just because that's. A thing serial killers might have. <laughs> I guess they were just there's just like an en- impetus to have something that drove Michael besides uh, never ending rage. I don't I don't know. It's it's yeah. I think it's more just supposed to be symbolic, but it's it's never really explained. But or, it's like over convoluted. Yeah. Like at least with Norman Bates, whether you're watching Bates Motel or the original Cycle, that's at least it's actually in his character. And you get to learn about it, especially in Bates Motel, you know, though it, that definitely goes off the beaten path of what Psycho originally was, but it's done well. Yeah. You know, not just because Vera Farmiga is amazing, but right. it's done, you know, it's done well and it's... And you get to see that progression. Yeah. Here, it's just, I mean, yeah, he was, out of all his family in the first one, he only liked his mom, you know, he hated his dad or stepdad or fuck buddy to his, whoever the fuck he was you know yeah they didn't even explain if he's actually his dad or not um and he, you know his sister's an asshole to him so yeah it makes sense that he'd want to you know kill I, them i guess yeah if you know if he has this undying rage but at least in the original halloween you don't need all of that because, again, as we've mentioned a thousand times before, when discussing horror films, leaving some things up to the viewer's imagination is the best way to go. 
and now tacking on this, you know, like, yes, mommy, I'll do this, mommy, and then when you add that on with Lori later on, it's just fucking stupid. Yeah, I think the the idea was that they needed an, another way to make Lori go crazy at the end of the film, so they had this so that she could be in, impacted as well, as sort of like a shared... But is that also supposed to be like a paranormal thing, too? You know... Like, is that also like the spirit of her mother? I think they and leave like, that out in the open. I think it's more just a shared uh, psychosis like that occurs. Like, let's take like a little bit of like Halloween 6 that didn't get put into the original yeah. and like, you know, tack it on here of like adding paranormal bullshit. I mean, I guess you can take it both ways. I don't... I well, don't... no, I'm saying I don't know how to take it. It's oh, just stupid. I'm yeah. just saying, like, was that what it's supposed to be? Is it supposed to be this spirit of Sherry Moon zombie? Like, you know, like, I, we're going to be a family together. And... I definitely think that it, it's more of a shared, like, a shared psychosis between the two of them. That that So uh, it's so it's Halloween 4, then, where basically. it's, it, where it's a conne- the connection. Yeah. But there's, like, a connection between them of a psychosis wherein they both are experiencing... Um, this weird vision of their mom, and it's like the bond and link between them. It, it, but she's not old enough. To, she wasn't true. She's not old enough to know her mom in that sense. That's why when she finds out that she, you know, is Michael Myers' sister, she's like, my life is so fucked. It's always it's like you were like four months old, you know, you the, know, and you, you've been living with the Strodes until Michael killed them. So yeah, your, your life's been fucked for a little bit, but you didn't know anything about that. So well, calm down. Lori went out and bought that book that Sam Loomis wrote and whipped through it in like a, in a uh, afternoon sitting. So she did see all the pictures in the book. So she knows, she knows who her mom is, I guess. Was it like, did Sam Loomis have pictures of her mom at like a strip club? Like showing, like, I don't know. It did seem like there's a whole bunch of pictures of them in there. And like, like, like somehow up. Sam Loomis had just gotten a hold of all the family portraits. And oh, he was probably at the strip club taking the pictures. Like, oh, yes. Mm. Could be. Yeah. So, um, to st- I guess <laughs> with Halloween 2, um, the one thing that I, I kind of like, <laughs> kind of. Is that the film picks up directly after the events of the first Rob Zombie Halloween in much the same way that Halloween and Halloween 2 from John Carpenter does. Um, so they, they both pick up in that sense. This is an extension of Halloween. Um, they even go back to the hospital setting from John Carpenter's Halloween 2. And uh, that all kind of plays out in much the same way as the original and I kind of like that. I think that's a – and one thing that I will say about Halloween 2 from Rob Zombie is that he does include a lot of um, callbacks to the other films. So in that sense, I do like that. I think maybe that's probably one of his best contributions to the the series is that he was able to fit a lot of just callbacks and, and uh, stuff like that into the film so that people watching can be like, well, there's a remnant of a better film. <laughs> Uh, you know, and, and they, they get sort of a, a rush from that. But, um, <laughs> like, I, I, so I did like that. The problem with that opening scene is that it, it is fucking totally unnecessary once, after about 30 minutes, we find out that all of that is just a fever dream. Uh, th- that is probably one of the biggest nitpicks for me in a film is that, you're you're into it. You're like literally going on. I think this really is that opening is like thirty minutes long, mm-hmm. and all of a sudden you're brought out of it, and it's like, hey, remember all that stuff that you just saw? Doesn't matter. 
you can just forget that it happened because literally in the scheme of this movie, it makes no difference. So right there, we already lost a half an hour of a two hour long film. The film, this film, Halloween 2, is two hours long. And that is way too long for a slasher film to begin with. But when you have a 30-minute dream sequence like that, it just completely annoys the the viewer. Because everything that they've seen thus far has really been worthless in the scheme of the film and, and all of its themes. The only thing that we really... I would say the only important thing is the vision of... Buddy? Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, Buddy. Yeah, I guess. Um, but the, the vision of the horse and Sherry Moon Zombie as this ethereal mother figure that she that um, Laurie is apparently seeing in her dream. So you're right. Maybe there is some sort of ghostly connection there that we don't really... Well, because the opening, that opening flashback we see of Michael and the... Sanatorium, because it was the 70s, so they still had sanatorium signs posted. Um, they, um, he was saying, explaining the dream of her, and he said he was like, she was like a beautiful ghost with a white horse. Mm-hmm. So that's what I'm saying. Like, so is she a ghost? Maybe. Is she a spiritual being? Is Maybe. there like a, like, so is there supposed to be like some kind of, or like, you know, it, they don't explain Why it. Why would the ghost of young Michael be there? Well, I think I think it's more. It's not the ghost of young Michael. I think it's more like like a split a split personality. Could be, could like be. I don't know. The whole thing's really stupid. <laughs> the whole horse thing and Sherry Moon Zombie is really forced, and I feel like it was a way for Rob Zombie to be like Sherry Moon Zombie needs to be in this film again, and we need to find a way to get her in this movie. You know, if I was the producer, I said, you know, two by four would do just as good as a job. Pretty much. Yeah, it's just it. It all seems so unnecessary. All of that is so convoluted and adds very little to the to the film. So at that, like we looked and we were, we were having some issues watching the, the movie. So we were at around the hour mark and nothing had happened yet because all of it was taking place in dream sequences that were involved Lori. And maybe the only thing that we really got was Michael tromping through some fields in his hood, looking downtrodden and and gloomy like he's about to walk on to a collective soul music video <laughs> yes yeah it's it all seems so such such a waste of time and i would say that you know if in, an, in a better film uh if an hour was wasted on not really furthering the plot at least maybe it would have been an entertaining hour but in halloween 2 it's not it's, it's a slog it's not entertaining at all i i think like one of the biggest problems is that um, Lori is just super unlikable in this film. She wasn't likable in the first film. I agree. I don't think Scout Taylor Compton. Her like again, as I say, the whole finger banging a bagel is like was like the stu like just like because for the most part in the the original Halloween, well, I'm not original. The original in the Rob Zombie Halloween, for the most part, Lori's kind of down to earth. You know. More like a normal teenager from today. She does say fucking shit with it. She's a bit restrained. But she's restrained and kind of, you know, more prudish because her friend's like, you need to get laid. Mm -hmm. You got to get laid and smoke some dope and blah, 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 you know. But like, so she's more restrained and conservative. But I mean, she's still like acts like a normal teenager. But the whole like, oh, mommy. Oh, like, like, you know, she's, you know, fucking finger banging the bagels like. I really don't like you, like, from the get-go. You're yeah. just acting like a cunt. Yeah. Uh, use that word. 
Um, yeah, she was being a cunt. Yeah. Um, and but in this film, she just is a cunt. Like she's like, nobody gets my problems. They don't understand what I've been through. While she's talking to Danielle Harris, like, yeah, I got stabbed in the chest, <laughs> and, and I have was, a permanent scar on my face. Several, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Still I, look cute, but this, you know, I think it's still have scar scars. And at least I do like I do like that part where she's like bitch, like Lori sh- bitch it in, uh, to her, and she's like, and when Danielle Harris finally does like go off, she's like. What do you mean? I have to deal with your shit. I know what you've been through. I went through the same shit. Stop being such a bitch. And it's like, thank you. Because I just told you that. I'm like, man, I wish you would just be like, oh, yeah, you're, you're right. No one knows. No one knows what you went through, you know. I know. I was left for dead. I, literally, at the end of the, the first one, I thought, she, you know, she's dead. Basically, yeah, basically, she is left for dead. I don't know that we see her really after the fact. Just, and you yeah. kind of just are left now to assume that once the cops got there, they were able to resuscitate her and bring her back to life. Same thing with Loomis. Like, oh, how did Malcolm McDowell survive? He had his, like, skull caved in, you know. True. <laughs> Seems okay now. <laughs> Maybe that's why he's such a, a, like, a bit... He went from being, like, an incompetent asshole in the first one to a douchebag who's incompetent in this one. So it's like his head getting caved in by Michael's man hands... Yeah, uh, you know, like make him like I'm the greatest thing on earth now. You know, I was just thinking Michael would be super great at like shotgunning beers, <laughs> smashing it on his head and drinking it. <laughs> um, but I think so. Like Lori herself does not do a great job of leading Halloween two. Like, so you're not really. I mean, I wouldn't say that I'm really rooting for her, and. Not only that, there's just not a lot of stakes through the first hour of the film. I will say the only person who's likable in this entire film is her one friend from the cafe that has white hair because she's not a bitch or anything. Yeah, she doesn't really talk or anything, but like I like her, her cab, you know, the rest of the her cavalcade of friends. She's the only one that's kind of like. Can we be kind of normal? I mean, yeah, I'm I'm, you know gothy punk because that's what the film requires me to be. You know, this like. Fight the man, you know, no one understands us type of love rockabilly, anarchy, you know, stuff like that. You know, I like Black Flag and a cup of, you know, coffee. No caffeine, please. You know, decaf, but she's the only one that's likable because she's just like, you know, yeah, just like, you know, normal. Like, why her other friends, like, uh, you know, like every other Rob Zombie film, just like, oh. I actually thought it was pretty funny when, um, Lori was like screaming in her face and like, I'm not me. And she's like, like, you know what I mean? And she's just like, like, no, "No." I really don't. (laughs) It's so funny because yeah, no one knows what you mean. Lori. She, she's, she's the, she's us. She's the viewer. Yeah. Basically like, like like what's going on to be honest with you though. I think the person who is maybe not the viewer, but, Mal- but playing himself is Malcolm McDowell because he's constantly throwing out these lines that make you think like, was he, was he saying that for real? Is that in his script? There's one scene where, um, he's, uh, talking about like how he has to, sh- sh- uh, shovel out this drivel for the masses. And it almost seems like he's talking about this film and not really so much like as a character, Sam Loomis writing a book about, uh, Michael Myers, but as Malcolm McDowell saying, why the fuck am I in another Rob Zombie movie? 
But the, oh yeah, it, the money. That's the job. Yeah, that's the job. There's a great moment in this film. At probably one of like the best moment in this film where he goes on Chris Hardwick's fucking terrible talk show that apparently has Weird Al Yankovic as why the is sidekick. Weird, why is Weird Al in this movie? No idea. I I mean, he gets terrible lines too. Really terrible lines. Like one of them, he literally just says snap. Like, and like Weird Al just snapped on yeah, you. And Malcolm's was like, like, I've been humiliated. The only thing about that, though, is that I can kind of imagine a Chris Hardwick talk show that's that lame. <laughs> that's the only thing. You know, and, and well, low not, rent, not low, anymore. Let's say, let's say <laughs> Chris low, Hardwick not having a talk show anymore. Let's say low rent Seth Meyers. Uh, yeah, I guess, yeah. And Seth Meyers is pretty low rent. So. True, true. <laughs> but uh, th- there's a scene after that where Malcolm McDowell has been basically mocked the whole time on that talk show. And he comes out and he's screaming at his uh, publicist. He's like saying, that was the, the biggest mockery of my life. Screaming at her. Then he walks past the, uh, like a concierge desk. And he's like, how could be? It's so hilarious because I feel like that could be Malcolm McDowell. Like after, you think- ho- after Home Alone 4 or whatever he was in. I think it's, that's five. Home Alone 5. And he in, comes in the out. Sprint and, commercial. Yeah, and the sprint. He's like coming out and yelling at his publicist. But then this, like the sprint producers are like, "We'll see you later." He's like, "Oh, have a good night." <laughs> Do you? I. You know, I. The one line I liked, and so again, it's like so out of character for Sam Loomis. Like, I when he says to his publicist, "If I wanted your opinion, I'd beat it out of you." Yeah. You think he was saying that's like Rob Zombie? Like Rob Zombie's trying to give him like directorial advice. True. He's, like, he's like, "Look, if I wanted your opinion, I'll beat it out of you." You know, I'm. I'm a Shakespeare, classically trained actor. I know I was in Caligula, damn it, you know. I was in a clockwork orange. It's a prodigy. I know what I'm doing. I can see it. But it, it, that's the thing. Even more, even more so than the first film. Because at least in the first film, though, I don't think Sam Loomis is a good character. He's an incompetent dumbass. Yeah, he's like uh, the guy who doesn't really know what he's doing. But yeah. he's like, I'm going to try to fix yeah. this guy. At least, like, it's like, at least Malcolm McDowell is kind of a breath of fresh air. It's like, why are you here? Here, though, it's like, what a bastard. And like, he also has a ponytail. Mm-hmm. So, automatically, but, that yeah. makes the first one better. But, I mean, but I mean, like, here, it's like, what a shitty human being and bastard you are. <laughs> and not only that, it's like, totally missing the characterization of Sam Loomis in the original film. And it's not like... Donald Pleasance's character in the original films is complex. He literally has one note of Michael Myers as the reincarnation of the devil and he must be stopped. Well, that also that also makes the stakes a little bit higher too in the original because like th- this is literally all that Sam Loomis has done his entire like existence as a doctor is just try to figure out Michael Myers. And, and he fails, and, and, and he and, fails, and then he he fucks up, and then that's his biggest mistake is like this whole scenario that gets set up that Michael now, Myers gets out, and now he's trying to be the town crier, telling him, "Go get the fuck out!" Of-. Yeah, know, that's the original. That's the original films. Here you get that you get that in the first film where he's like, "I tried, I failed, I couldn't help," but then he's an asshole. I'm gonna sell a book about it, and you know, and then I try to help, and I get. My head caved in. Now, and this is why I sell another book about it, and I'm an asshole, even bigger asshole about the whole thing. It makes a, a mockery of, like, the whole idea. Like, in this, in this case, like, if 
Sam Loomis is selling this book. He's obviously not that concerned, you know, about Michael Myers coming back and attacking or, or doing whatever. It's, it just makes the whole thing seem less suspenseful, less tense. And I would say like Halloween two is really not that suspenseful at all. This remake is not suspenseful. Um, it, and like I said before, the whole first hour of it really doesn't even move anything forward. So you're wasted an hour. Michael Myers hasn't even really been on screen besides stuff that happens in dreams. And you're basically putting up with uh, Scout Taylor Compton yelling and screaming about things. Um, being a bitch. Being a bitch. Uh, a, a Frankenstein saying lewd things to kids in the playground area. And then having sex with some uh, like stripper in a strip club. Um, all of that stuff is just unnecessary. Not f- I, and The biggest thing is not fun. It's just not not fun at this point. And I think that is a huge problem with this remake um, because Halloween 2 is a lot of fun. It's it's a good movie, but it's also fun. It's set in a hospital. It's campy. It's, it is campy. You, I mean, the hot tub scene, for one mm. thing, is a really campy uh, part of Halloween 2. But I think the biggest part of it is... Yeah, I was going to say the ending's ridiculous, yep. you know. But it's unbroken from the uh, the first part of the first movie, and it's set in one locale, and that locale is unique. A hospital setting is unique, interesting, um, a, like mostly abandoned. The atmosphere is there, so I would have even probably been a little bit more open to Halloween this Halloween two remake if they had just kept the hospital setting. But he, you know, he. We're, Rob Zombie's got ADD, so he couldn't. He absolutely he's got, does. He's got to have Lori like go to her her gothy friend's house, and they're like, "I want to get drunk." While she's sitting there, they're all just sitting there already drinking beers. Like, I want to get drunk and go to a party. So they go to the most elaborate party in town. The uh, yeah, the over eighteen hocus pocus party. Yeah, the party for it's literally the party from Hocus Pocus. That's it, all I was thinking of. It's very elaborate for a small town. It was imagining Bette Midler to come out and sing a little. But you no, know, nice. Little I note. I gotta say I'm jealous. I wish we had something like that here for Halloween. Uh, last Halloween, tried to go around uh, looking for things to do and ended up at the only bar that was basically open. So uh, I am a little bit jealous about that party, but I'm not. That party looked like it sucked. Uh, well, I've, I've, I've never seen a party with like a band and titties and it's just like, like the most boring like party, <laughs> you know, rockabilly part. No one, that's why no one was really into the music. Cause, cause it's really hard to imagine that a small town like Haddonfield has a massive rockabilly, uh, crowd. Brian Setzer just rolled into town and he's got his, you know, they're going to play some, you know, not Christmas songs this time, we, you know. <laughs> Break out them Halloween numbers for this one night, and then we're going back to Christmas music. That's right. But I don't know. I, I do – the one thing that I, I also like about Halloween 2 is that it at least has an abundance of the Halloween season. It's not like Halloween H2O, which we also did, which basically <laughs> pissed me off because it has very little <laughs> Halloween in it whatsoever. So that's a big selling point to me. So you must love Fallout 4. Then, just cause it's set. Sure. Yeah, it's set during <laughs> October. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, I, that's a big selling point and it did work. At least there are some decorations and shit like that. And Rob Zombie does cut out a lot of like the hillbilly-esque-ness of it because it didn't really make sense in Haddonfield. It's not even like a, the town that you see 
Oh, the overview. It just looks like a normal American. Like, yeah, normal Americana town. Very like mid you know, mid range well, houses. But the main character again, Lori's like Lori after this traumatic event now has like I got a tramp stamp and you know this tattoo I'm kinda growing out dreads a little bit. I have all these like, you know, like I will not be a bitch today, like written <laughs> lipstick like on the wall. I, yeah. I, I mean, not. she does need that. It wasn't written there, but she does need. I will not be a bitch today. No, there, there was something like something like yeah, or something like, like something bitch or and like, but all you know, no, what you you don't need the Alice Cooper poster and that Kiss T-shirt. You need that picture of the kitten saying like, "Hang in there." Yeah, you know, I mean, like, hang in there. You know, yeah, that's probably one of the most drastic changes from Halloween one to Halloween two is that Lori went from being straight laced girl to like metal goth alt girl in no time flat. I mean, this obviously it takes place two years later, but at the same time, does that really believably seem like Lori? Why would she turn well, to so all that? She, I mean, she finger banged the bagel. I guess. Why would she turn to all that in anarchy when she clearly cannot like put up with anything dark because even like the Frankenstein bothered her. Doesn't make sense why she'd turn to Alice Cooper. <laughs> As a as a role model, I don't. Know. I, I've tried to. I've actually started to try to give up on figuring out what Rob Zombie the, is the, really, the, the like, pop culture things. Yeah, they, no, they don't make sense. I mean, how many, how many references? How many yeah. like seventeen year old girls do you know? Were are like, I love Kiss. Yeah, yeah. It just it seems like a Rob Zombie fantasy land. Of, like, shit that never happens in real life, but he's thinking, like, well, maybe. <laughs> well, especially, as I say, I mean, now I'm, you may be able to find someone on the internet, but, you know, like, oh, maybe there is somebody out there, too, who likes, you know, this kind of quirky thing. But even still. Yeah, I just think, like. Because, nah, like I said, it's funny, because everyone you run into in Hanfield's got, like, some, like, some kind of, like, Black Flag song playing. Like, the guy that, when Lori's lying in the middle of the road, like. Help, help, you know, and he comes to the rescue. Or what's he play? He's pl- not blasting, you know, like a nice, you know, Tim, uh, you know, country song, you know, a nice Garth Brooks tune or anything like that. No, he's, you know, they might as well just had like Black Flags, my war playing the, throughout the entire film. That or Rob Zombie's Dragula. Just like, Argh! basically, it, I'm glad you brought that up because halloween 2 is a glorified even, music video yeah even more than halloween because of all of its like experimental avant-garde nature um is more is like a basically a long music video a very long music video uh for a rob zombie song because there's even that one moment where um laurie's kind of flipping out and like having all these different visions in her dreams and there's just a whole lot of like strobing and her banging on a glass coffin and sped up, slowed and sped up, yeah. and yeah, it's 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 horrible. It's, it's ghost ship esque, like yeah, you know. it's 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 horrible. That sort sort of stuff is uh, the whole Sherry Moon zombie walking the horse through the field when it's like you know with like the white light and the background being and that looked like you know, like I said it looked like something like you'd see like a nineties like music like early nineties music video from like a grunge band like here's Collective Soul's new song and you know it's just like it's a, totally cringy. It's it doesn't fit it. I don't know why Rob Zombie was like, this is the, this is what we're going with for the story for Halloween two. It just, oh, I, I don't even know what else to say about it because it's so, 
off from what you would expect from like a Halloween movie to do. It just completely misses the mark. Um, what did you think of the kills? Boring. Pedantic. Overwrought with, um, they dragged him out. That poor nurse, that took forever. Like, it was like a five-minute beatdown. She's already dead, but like, nope, you just still see, you know, see Michael hacking away, you know. Surprisingly, a lot of them sort of happen off-screen, too. Like, a lot of, like, the stabs themselves, they happen off-screen. So, you're right. I mean, that's fine, because, I mean, like I said, I don't... Whether it's gory or not, I mean, isn't the issue. I think, like I said, it's like overall. It's not like a, like a quick kill or anything. Yeah. You know, that's why I did kind of like him when he uh, gets Danielle Harris and kind of like, no, not Danielle Harris. Um, the the one normal girl that's not normal that I said I liked. The, um, that's uh, her name is Maya. Yeah, when he like grabs her by the head through the door and like then drags her away. That was cool. Well, that you know, but that's like quick and to the point. Like while everyone else, a lot of the other got, ones are really drawn out and stupid. You know, and poor poor Danielle Harris. That one, like we didn't even get to see, it, and then we get to see it in slow mo and flashbacks three minutes later. It's like, why didn't you just show this while it happened? Why do you have to have Lori show up to the scene and then have it be like pieced together? You know, is that supposed to be like a psychic thing, like to connect? Like, look what I did, sis. I took your. Friend and mur- you know she, murdered her again. You know she's, she's Poirot. She was putting it together at the scene. <laughs> um, yeah, but I think most of them are are like so overdrawn that they're just they just become stupid. Like the whole part where he's smashing the stripper into the glass like mm-hmm. fifteen times is like okay. I can tell yeah, I can tell. I love too as I, I point out to you, you can tell like yeah, that's not her anymore. That's that's a sex doll. He's slamming yeah. into the you know the fucking uh, mirror because it's like. That's yeah, that's not her. I will say at least the gore scenes at the beginning of the film in the hospital were pretty good. Like the surgery scene itself, no, that that, that was, was actually pretty pretty well done. I would say, um, with not the, necessary, but yeah, not necessary. That whole scene's not necessary. I mean, the whole dream sequence. That's why they didn't have a budget to show some of the stabbing and stuff. They wasted too much money on the you know elaborate stitching and all that. I think at least that part of it, the gore was pretty good. How'd you like the? What did you think of uh, the Freddy's boiler room in the hospital? Oh, my God. Yeah, that, that didn't give it away that it was a dream. I mean, she falls into a basically a, like an incinerator vat full of bodies in the, in the hospital's uh, basement. Like, where in any hospital have you seen that except for maybe like Indonesia? Like an Indonesian hospital, just like massive vat of dead bodies. I, that's... I don't know if Rob Zombie thinks that's a thing in hospitals. Like, they just have, you know, the morgue in the basement that just throw in, oh, oh this one's dead, throw it in there. But, uh, yeah, no no ins- giant incinerator. Otherwise, you know, not-for-profit hospitals would be doing pretty well on heat. <laughs> I was just about to say that. Yeah, like, yeah I mean, like, well, we got another one. Yeah. You know, stoke the, got a guy down there, like an old, like, you know, like uh, tr- like trained, like, you know, conductor. Like, like groundskeeper Willie, like shoveling uh, <laughs> Coal instead of coal, it's a body. Yeah, like, yep. Thank God the other one almost burned up. Yeah, no fire has run low. That yeah. uh, that doesn't happen, and at least not in my experience in hospitals. <laughs> but uh, yeah, yeah, no. That the setting itself though did look a lot like Friday Thirteenth, or uh, I'm not sorry, uh, Nightmare on Elm Street. 
Like, I was expecting like one, two, yeah. three. Maybe, maybe at that time, Rob was like, you know, if this goes well. Uh, well, the film, like I said, the film does have not just Halloween references, but yeah. like, so it might be a nightmare reference. Like he's a reference to because like, maybe the ending yeah. with her on the bed. That's from Psycho. Yep. That stare and off, you know. Though there's no dialogue in her, what she's saying, that's the ending of Psycho right there. But Except- also, but also, it's the beginning of uh, Halloween too, because she looked very similar to the way Michael did when he was in uh, the in the sanatorium, as we're, we're saying. Well, so I think well, it was a callback to that too. I think it's more like, yeah, it's a callback because the way her hair is and draped over, yeah. she looks like more like Mike. You know, she looks like young Michael. Yep. But at the same time. It's a psycho reference, and I and I think um, as you mentioned that too, like maybe he was attempting to like reference other films because at the end there's the very clear Texas Chainsaw Massacre reference with all the pictures during the credit sequence, and so, then they, they they did then the first one too. I believe so. Yeah, I mean it was a similar. And at that point, you know, it's hard to say is that is he meaning that to be like a a tribute to Texas Chainsaw, or is he just copying because that's what he knows. So does that mean also to then Texas Chainsaw Massacre is a rip off of that part's a rip off of Nightmare I mean not Nightmare. Night of the Living Dead. Um because of the ending. The end, the, the possibly, end of, yeah. yeah. I mean te- technically I I don't know if it would be a ripoff, but but yeah, I mean it uses that same still frame yeah. news s But it, but to be honest with you, it's in those two films, I would say in both Night of the Living Dead and um Texas Chainsaw Massacre, it's pretty effective. Well, no, I and I agree, especially in Night of the Living Dead, because that ending, you, yeah, a total, you know, and I fuck think you. I think it's really effective in Texas Chainsaw Massacre too, because it looks very realistic. It makes it look like like real crime scene mm-hmm. for. I mean, in Halloween too, no, no, it doesn't look realistic at all, and it's kind of shoved in there at the end. Uh, but yeah, maybe that's what Rob was going for. Maybe he wanted to just s- send up everything. Maybe he, maybe that was a hocus pocus reference. Wouldn't that be great? Like, yeah, let's, you know. Why why wasn't Bette Midler there topless? <laughs> if he really wanted the reference to shine through, he <laughs> would have had Bette Midler there topless. Would have been great if we heard in the background, like, the wind beneath my wings, you know. Yeah. Well, here's another thing, then, as you mentioned, uh, Bette Midler and singing and stuff. The music for this film is terrible. <laughs> <laughs> um, It really doesn't use the... Uh, this theme song at all only at the end only at the end and there are a couple of moments where it does like the but other than that like it doesn't it's first of all it's not trying to be like that and then and also it's really un- understated too I, I don't think like the music ever really makes a point or well because they're too busy because they're too busy playing shitty covers of song rock songs from the 70s that's true yeah Hey, are you tired of hearing a cover version of Love Hurts? Well, too bad, because you're going to get another one. A particularly egregious one at the end <laughs> yes. of the film. Yeah, it's, it's, it's pr- again, it's pretty cringy. Um, do you have, do you have anything else? Do you have anything else to add here? I am really, I'm running out of things to say. Because this film sucks. Yeah, I mean, for the most (laughs) part, I would say that Halloween 2 is quite a bit, and I didn't think I would say this, but it's quite a bit worse than the original, not original, I keep saying that, but the... We'll save that for the rating. Nah? 
right. Well, I mean, I think we're pretty close to a rating now, as it is, so. Um, this film's getting an extra, extra point down because no Daniel Harris boobies. That's true. I mean, you do get a lot of boobies, but no Danielle Harris boobies. She got paid for the first one. She's like, I ain't doing that again. Yeah. But. Well, do you want to do the rating? Do you have anything else that you want to We might as well. I, I really don't have anything else to say. I just think that this film uh, is, it just doesn't do much right. And w- let's just do the rating. <laughs> I have nothing else to add that's constructive about the film. Unfortunately, <laughs> I always feel like imagine like a film, a film critic probably sitting there like, what, like, what do you say about this one? Like, it's just like, what? Yeah, it sucks. It's, it's just not good, Rob. <laughs> That's it. It's just not good. Um, all right. So out of, let's see, out of 10, mm, I got to think of a good one because, um, there's there's definitely some funny stuff in here that we can use as a as a rating system. I just gotta think of one. Um, oh yeah, out of <laughs> out of uh, ten uh, croissants that that guy had in the hospital, the security guard has in the the hospital scene. I thought they were donuts. Whatever they were. Ten, he's ten cronuts. Guard. I say because he's a security. True, guard. so stereotypically has donuts. All right, out of out of ten, cron- poor buddy. I feel I feel bad though. That that whole scene played out like a stereotypical. She's like hysterical, and he won't listen. Like I'll save you. Don't worry. I'll leave you in there. Oh, the old car just won't start up, and I'm dead. Yeah, it's true. Good thing it was a dream. He's he's buddy. He's okay. Buddy yeah. was fine. Don't worry. He's okay. No pro- no problems there. <laughs> Um, all right, so out of 10 cronuts, because I'm not sure if they were croissants or donuts, what would you give Halloween 2? I'll give it a 2. Wow, that's low. I don't know if we've ever given a that low of a rating before. Nope, this is the lowest. I think I've, that's the lowest. This is the lowest they've ever gone. A 2. Though Mako was damn close to a 2. Um, this film... And a lot of a lot of this is just pure rage factor. Um, I mean, if maybe if, if this didn't have any ties to Halloween and it was just like a general slasher, probably just be a three. Mm-hmm. But this film is even more of an egregious piece of shit than the first remake. It's directionless. It looks horrendous. All the actors, even the ones that come back, are terrible. Absolutely dreadful. Malcolm McDowell is yet again wasted away. And like I said, I do like to think that like those some of those gem lines he has is him ad libbing, going off the script. The plot is stupid. Um, the connection they're trying to make between Lori and Michael doesn't make any sense because they don't even really elaborate it. So that's that's where you kind of using your own imagination to fill in the gaps doesn't really work because you're just like, well, what the hell is it? Is it a psychic connection? Is it a paranormal ghost-like apparition that's affecting this? Like, what's going on? Who, you know, it's it's stupid. Um, This film's offensive in how bad it is. It's, It's literally, I'm glad I didn't watch this. For ten years, and I wish to be honest with you, I wish I never did. This adds nothing to the franchise. It's nothing new. 
It doesn't have any interesting ideas. It's boring. Two hours is way too long. This should have been an 80-minute fucking film. Get to the hospital after the original. Be in the hospital. Get chased down. And try to survive throughout the rest of Halloween night with the sheriff like, oh shit, you know. <laughs> he's still up and running, you know. And Loomis, and, and have, like in the original, have Loomis running around like, I warned you, but you didn't listen. And he's coming back and, you know, go, we gotta really kill him this time. I got my wooden stake ready and, you know, my silver. I'm, having, I'm really having a hard time fully putting together full- a... a- a coherent, a coherent rant because this, and I think you summed it up well. This film's not fun. It's dull. It's boring. It's pedantic. There's nothing to it. This film's egregious. The overuse of close-up shots on characters' faces, you know, for no goddamn reason. Poor Brad Dourif, who who mm-hmm. has to suffer through a lot of close-up shots of him, and he has to deliver. A facial expression on one of the toughest things when he learns um, that his house was the one that was attacked and that the police are being mm-hmm. sent to them. And Rob Zombie does like an unnecessary, like super close up shot of his face. And of course, at that point, any actor is really going to stumble on that. Like how, how do you, as a close up, how do you deliver a like legitimate expression to, to that? He's really just stuck with going like, Oh, oh no. no! And it's like just such a exaggerated facial. But I don't blame it on him. I don't no. blame it on his acting. I blame mm. it on Rob Zombie be, uh, unable to direct that scene in a way that would make it look believable. And yet, and what, yet again, the script is terrible. The dialogue is egregious. Like as you said, it's just filled with fucks for the sake, you know, you know, s- stupid ass lines like that. Those two damn ambulance drivers talking about you know, fucking dead bodies for no, you know. Because it's a Rob Zombie film, so everybody's got to be creepy. Just like in the first one where the security guards at the mental institution, they take girls out and rape them. <laughs> you know, because it's a Rob Zombie film. It, this film's stupid. And I can almost think from the ending of this film, the, the, the idea was if the third one gets greenlit, it'll be Laurie's the killer. Laurie's going to break out and be the one you know, to take up the mantle. Which would have been even worse. Yes, and so thank God that you know got shut down. I don't know. I to... I don't know if he had an idea for a third one or if he's like that's the second one. That's it. But I hope if he did have an idea, the studios were like, no, no, you you have cost us too much money. This property's got to go. In... Thanks again. This property's got to go in hibernation for fucking ten years. Well, he he went on to deliver us thirty one, which is a another shit fest starring Malcolm McDowell. So. He didn't learn much there either. I don't know. I would give this movie... I guess I'd give it a three. Um, I did not enjoy it as much as even Halloween, the first one. And that's saying something because I did not enjoy Rob Zombie's remake very much either. Um, I think that pretty much everything about this film just screams... It's not that it's so bad that it's good. It's, It's just plain old bad because... Rob Zombie's clearly trying pretty hard in here. Um, and that's what makes it worse is that it's trying so hard and getting so convoluted and complex for no reason that um, adding all the experimental shit in there, uh, it, it just is overstuffed and becomes stupid. And it it really loses 
exploded would be a good word. Yeah. It, it loses a lot of the charm of like just a very simplistic slasher film. Um, and instead it just replaces that with, like you said, a lot of stupid dialogue, um, a lot of like eccentric characters just because um, it in basically an hour long dream sequence of nothing happening that doesn't contribute to the whole film. So the part of the half of the two hour running time is just completely unnecessary that you don't need to even have seen it. Um, I don't like Michael's design. I don't like the mask in this film. Uh, the mask basically just gets ripped apart at the end of the film. So it's really just like he might as well not be wearing one. Um, so it doesn't even really look like Michael. I said actually at the beginning, uh, even though it was a dream sequence, the Michael Myers mask at the beginning of the film when um, Laurie's in the hospital kind of looks like a slip, a rejected Slipknot mask, <laughs> especially in the rain because he's got sort of like this cornrow thing going on. Just god awful, completely horrible. Um, so one I, thing, I say one thing we didn't bring up. I'll ask you this: What did you feel about Michael at the end? actually speaking and yelling die to Loomis Horrible. as he stabbed him. <laughs> I don't want to hear I didn't want to hear Michael's grunts. I didn't want to hear his groans. I didn't want to hear him speak. Yeah, again. he grunts a lot. Yeah. It's like just kind of like He's <laughs> like the John Williams at Frankenstein's at, monster. Say, he's like John Williams after he got that call from Disney. Yeah, asked, you know, like, oh Jesus, you know. Um to be honest with you though, I mean I would be very offended at the whole die, but by the time it's the end of the film. Yeah, it's I like, whatever. Just I don't fucking let, let it <laughs> end. Know? Let it end. However, yeah, it needs... you're, right. you're right. Die. Yes, Phil. Die. die However, know? Rob Zombie needs it to end. <laughs> let's just let's get it there. Um, all I've got to say, really, to end it is uh, poor Brad DeRiff. Poor Caroline Williams, who just has a minute cameo in this film. Uh, you might know her from Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Uh, poor, I would say poor Danielle Harris, but... I've kind of heard she's a bitch, so maybe maybe not for her. Uh, poor Octavia Spencer. Don't know why she's in it. Don't know why she agreed to do this film, but poor her. And uh, poor Margot Kidder, God rest her soul, who at least in 2009 uh, wasn't on her deathbed yet, so didn't really have a reason to, to say yes to Rob Zombie. Uh, maybe he threatened her with violence. I don't know. But... Uh, all I can say really is... And you can't say poor Malcolm McDowell because he knew what no, he was he knows, doing. No, he knows... I'm not going to say poor <laughs> man. He, the man does it for the love of cinema. <laughs> and so I guess maybe he's only doing it to try to better what he knows is going to be a shit fest. His best role is give w- it, in Wing Commander 2 yeah. as the one of the characters. He's trying to give it his all and make the... The final is he? I don't think he's giving it his all. I think he that delivery of "Have a good night" uh, <laughs> is probably one of the best. So I do think he's doing it in like a playful way. In that, like he realizes, you know, even though Rob's taking this very seriously, it's gonna just be terrible. So he's he's really like doubling down on the terribleness and intentionally Hamming overacting. It up. Yeah, because I mean. Think about all the other characters in this. They're not really overacting. They're just not acting uh, well. Brad Dorff is a little bit. A little bit. But they're just not acting very well. Whereas Malcolm McDowell is acting well, and, no, but in I, a ridiculously over-the-top I, and way. And I would also say Scout Taylor Confidence overacting. Yeah, but intentionally or unintentionally? Unintentionally. Yeah. I mean, no. she's. It's unintentionally. Part of that I blame on the writing itself for her character, though. 
Well, the script's just 20 pages of her script. <laughs> ah! <laughs> pretty much, pretty much. You know who's not overacting? Sherry Moon Zombie. Because she's not acting. She, you know, literally the living dead girl. She she, has no life. She's been in six or seven movies now. And she just has not gotten better at acting. Literally, they should have just put a two by, like, two by four it up. You know, like, this is your mother, Michael. And it's Plank. I don't want to insult the man's wife, but she just can't act, Rob. You gotta, you, you gotta let her go at some point. Literally, I, there's, I've, I've got to say, there's like a thousand reviews out there for all of Rob's films that say, you know, what, why the hell is Sherry Moon Zombie like center, center role in this? And he still hasn't learned, and he still doesn't want to accept that she, you know, fool me once, shame on. Do you think? Do you think it's that, or she's like, Rob, you have to put me in my mo- this the movie, or I'll divorce you. And I could like, see oh. it being that. I could see it being that. He's just like, or maybe he's maybe Rob Zombie's such a nice guy in real life, and he's just like, I, I can't, I can't tell her she's terrible. <laughs> that could be true. <laughs> you know, like yeah. So what do you think? Oh, great. He has rose-colored glasses on. You just can't. You just can't see it. Everything she does, he's, he's like, that was perfect. Perfect. I bet you, you know, all of Sherry Moon Zombie's uh, scenes were done in one take. No criticism, no nothing. Just okay. That was good. You know, but we'll we'll take that one. Do you do you want me? I can do it this way. No, no, that was good. Yeah, that was good. That's all I got for Halloween too, man. That's it. That was all I could muster up. I, we're lucky we even finished the goddamn movie. I to would, be honest with you, I would love to like if I know we don't have the connections, but I would love to like get John Carpenter and just like have a sit down chat with him about it. I'm sure everybody would love to have a sit down tra- chat with John Carpenter. But the man's a grump. Cause you, well, that's why. It'd be yeah. great. So just like sit down. So you just ask him, so what do you think of Rob Zombie's Halloween? Parts one and two. And just go. Yep. Let him go. Because, you know, it'd probably go off into a tangent how he hates all the sequels after Halloween. It's like, I didn't even want to do the second one. I didn't even fucking want to do that bullshit. But I, they, I needed the money. True. That is absolutely <laughs> true. So. Yep. You know, and then okay, they'll get like down to like how he did Ghost from Mars and <laughs> money, money, money. <laughs> All right, what do we got on the on the docket for next time? Ant Man Wasp, going back to them comic book films. That's they... out next week, right? Yes. Yeah. So that'll be our next one. Or if you love America, we can do the Patriot. You haven't seen. <laughs> <laughs> you haven't seen Ant Man, have you? No, but this um. You don't really need to. Um, I think one of the taglines I saw is um, how the littlest hero is helping after the war. So I'm assuming somewhere in here, Infinity War is getting fit in. The aftermath, this is taking place as the aftermath to Infinity War. I thought it was going to be uh, the right before the Infinity War. And then like at the end of this film would be like the lead in to like... What happens at the end of Infinity War? Well, they'd have to both survive, because it'd be stupid after the sequel of Ant-Man. Well, Ant-Man's gone, or Wasp's gone, because we just introduced Wasp, you know? Yeah. So. I guess we'll see. I'm imagining their technology somehow going to be used down the line to... I did like the first Ant-Man, so... I just want to see Paul Rudd. Paul Rudd. Just want to see Paul Rudd. Tying it back to Halloween! Paul Rudd with a... Sierra Nevada. Tiny Sierra Nevada. (laughs) All right, so Ant Man, 
Ant-Man and the Wasp for next time. And then we'll get back to something more. Spooky? Yeah. Yeah. Well, some, I was, well not just for the sake of Halloween, but for the brand sake of the podcast. True. True. <laughs> something, a deep cut. <laughs> something you've never heard of before. No. Something like Mako. <laughs> That was a tough one. Please. That was a tough one. (laughs) All right. uh, Thank you for listening. I did this once before in the show, but I'm going to do it again. Uh, You can catch us on. You really uh, should just like. I know. I should like just record record this once and just slap it it on the end of it and be done with it. I know. That way, if, like after when we're done talking, when we, and I say take care, because that's how you know the episode's over. That's with, that's right. You can have that tacked on, so people in the gun don't need to listen to this. Shit. <laughs> Skip right over it. Um, yeah, so we're on um, most podcasting apps that you can think of. We're on Apple Podcasts, um, Google Podcasts just came out. We're up on there, Stitcher, any other uh, place that you can think of, and then you can find us on our Podbean at buttonblackrumpodcast.podbean.com. That's where our episodes go up first and where we're hosted. Uh, you can find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash blood and black rum podcast. We're also on Twitter at blood and black rum. Um, we do have uh, some some followers and stuff there and we'd love to retweet and uh, have conversations with you about the episode. So check us out and send us a message. Uh, we're uh, on, let's see, what else are we on? Um, we're on cultsploitation.com. So uh, that's sort of our podcast network. Uh, so you can check us out there and check out other cool uh, movie reviews and cult film stuff over there on cultsploitation.com. Um, we have an email address at blood and black rum podcast at gmail.com. And as always, you can catch our episodes early one day early by donating to our patron page on our Podbean account. So check that out at uh, blood and black rum podcast.podbean.com. Uh, you can become a patron and help us out with our podcasting fees. Thanks for listening. We will catch you next time with our Ant-Man and the Wasp episode. And uh, we hope you enjoyed our episode on the shitty Halloween 2 remake. Take care.